Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. Amazon has just announced a stack of new devices. We've literally just come off the event, the virtual event, watching it, Dan and I including new Echoes, a new Echo Show 10, a streaming gaming service called Luna, and even a home-based drone that you'll fly around your house that you see in any room. No, really. Uh, fresh from the virtual event, Pogolins Dan Grabham joins me to discuss more. Meanwhile, I talk to the founder of Antstream Arcade, a retro gaming streaming service that will let you play some of those classic Amiga and Commodore 64 games from yesteryear on your computer, console, and phone. And Pocket Lens Adrian Willings has been living the world of virtual reality, testing out a new Oculus Quest 2. Is it any good? Listen on to find out later. But first, Dan, let's talk Amazon. What have what have they been up to? Well, what a crazy 45 minutes, really. I mean, we've obviously um, been to Seattle for the last this event the last three years, and yeah. um, this time I'm in my garage. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was the usual dump of devices and because amazon has other brands like eero um for hope for routers and stuff and ring for home security um you know there's there's a lot more to talk about in that these days i mean yeah. they, they started off talking about echo which we expected we expected a new echo what we didn't expect was it has a completely new design it's a sphere um and um, they've they've added numerous capabilities to Alexa, um, including the ability to del- delete all your recordings over time. Um, Which is they, interesting. I think they, they absolutely, picked yeah. up a lot of slack for that in the past that made it difficult. It did feel from watching 45 minutes, as I say, a 45 minute virtual event, I was quite surprised it was that quick based on the amount of products that they have launched. But it did feel that it was, it's effectively Amazon is turning around and saying, we want you to be happy and content in recording every single element and approach of your life like every single part of your life either by you know jumping on a voice call talking to alexa seeing alexa being in your car being in your house lots of other things yeah definitely and they they've been talking about that for the last year or so um because they they launched the echo show five before and eight which had a privacy shutter on there for the camera um and they've also introduced numerous um enhancements for alexa that enable you to to control the last to delete the last thing you said if you weren't happy about that being stored or um you know various other bits like that but this this does seem like they are really trying to hammer that home Mm, um mm. having said that um you know some of these some of these devices could be seen as a bit creepy you know the the ring always home cam uh, which is the sort of drone camera that you mentioned this um, is just like it's absolutely nuts it um, is nuts it is it's as nuts as as i saw someone on twitter saying as the robot drink serving maid in rocky three <laughs> i mean that's just i mean just so just explain what it is for because we've obviously seen it but listeners wouldn't have done just explain what it does uh, so it's it's basically um, a camera that that slots into a base station that you have in your home, 
um, and then the top part sort of launches off um, as a drone, as a, as a, as a small drone. Um, and, you know, you can basically snoop around your own home um, while you're not there. Um, obviously, we've seen numerous cameras before, not least from Amazon brands, um, Ring and um and and blink as well um obviously we're seeing home cameras before and we you know lots of brands do them but this is kind of a a step on from that really it's proper sci-fi isn't it yeah absolutely and even the even the echo show 10 which is their their new sort of kitchen device as such will now follow you around the room and it's got a motor in it so it will it will not not physically follow you around the room it's hard quite hard to explain without seeing it but it's basically a ball um, a bit like an old iMac um, with the screen on top and it will the screen will swivel around to, to follow you around the room as you as you move so you can keep on a video call with someone. But it seems like a lot of these devices are um, you know designed to to actually fit in better with you in a way and that if you if you're moving but you're on a video call then it will it will shift as well. We've seen a bit of that from Facebook Portal as well, where the camera keeps you in the frame. I remember an old Logitech webcam used to do that. Yeah, where you that's could, right. Yeah, you know, it would just you'd move the, sphere, and, the Logitech, yeah, sphere. and then it would move move with you, and you yeah. kind of it it could work in some instances, but other times it could just be like being on a roller coaster ride, yes. <laughs> where you just you know it gets a bit disorientating. So we've got new Echoes, which have gone for a sphere. I'm seeing a trend here. We've got new a new Echo Show Ten, which is looks like a, a basically an iMac with the very old fashioned iMacs, doesn't it? With a big yeah. with the speaker at the back and then a rotating three sixty, I presume, rotating screen. Um, rather large bezels, I thought, but that's yes. by the by. Yeah, um, they've obviously tried to hit a price point there. Then we've got some Ring products, which is the they've kind of moved away. You've got the, the crazy the crazy cat, the drone cam for your house. Um, but then they've also done some stuff with car, haven't they, with with Ring? Yeah, so they want to bring their car services to um, to, to to for manufacturers to to be able to integrate them with the, in their vehicles, um, and they've said this is going to come to Teslas first, but basically anyone can can integrate them. Um, in terms of the devices, there's going to be a um, a Ring car alarm and a Ring car cam, which is you know. It is as simple as it, it sounds, which are going to are going yeah. to be consumer devices. Um, but then there's this 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 service that um, is going to be basically um, enable enable manufacturers to give you the power to look, to keep an eye on your car, um, and that's going to be quite interesting. Called Ring Car Connect. And that's and, where the Tesla stuff kicks in, isn't it? Yes, I suppose that's it's right. you know Tesla owners already got this thing called Sentry Mode, where it will record your uh when people walk up to you it records what's going on but you can only see it when you get in the car and i suppose the idea is well now you can see it via your ring app to then be able to you know in the same way that you are used to getting notification that someone's at your door yes you can now get bothered to say someone's peering in your car and checking out what you've got and of course this this follows into fire tv and um, echo show as well because obviously you can view your ring products on those devices as well so it sort of all ties in but yeah it's, it is going to be quite interesting to see whether manufacturers want to um want to integrate that that program i think yeah and so you'd think that'd be enough you would but no there was more <laughs> there was more so we've then got a new fire stick which yes. seems to oh yeah, I'd forgotten about those. <laughs> new Fire Stick, New Fire Stick Lite, which appears to be like perfect for the the bedroom where you haven't got a 4K TV. Yeah, uh, 
And then we've got a gaming service. Yes, Luna. Luna. Now, this appears to be uh, very much like a, a Stadia or a Microsoft. Um, it's not called xCloud, is it? It's called something else now. Game, but pa- well, it's, 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 game, pass, game pass for Cloud, yeah. for, for Xbox, yeah, for PC or something, isn't it? Yes. Uh, really catchy name. So we've got, we've got those products. Now, I think this was the big surprise here, apart from, you know, you're still getting over the fact that only one of their devices flies. Uh, which is, I think is probably disappointing across the board. You know, if you're going to launch something that flies, surely everything should fly now. Um, but then you have a, a gaming service, which on the surface, when it first announced, it looked like it was the games were pretty lackluster, to be honest. They, I don't think they sold it very well. And then suddenly they go, oh, yeah, we've got a deal with Ubisoft and there's going to be Valhalla, which is like a next-gen uh, lead title that's comes out in a couple of months' time. So it, it feels, I mean, there's lots to learn here, and I think there's going to be more games to come, you know, and even in the presentation, they kind of said, this is, you know, we've got to start somewhere. I think they're obviously going to leverage the Twitch stuff, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. And and that's gaming has been a been a big focus for Amazon over the last year or two. And obviously the, the Twitch integration is is pretty key, um, but they've got a controller, haven't they, that 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 you can use. And it looks like a, a just like looks like any other game gaming controller, but it's, yeah. it's a it's a proper controller. Um, I guess, as you said, um, it's it's more akin to Google to Google Stadia, really. Um, yeah, because I mean that comes with its own controller as well. And it, yes. You know, I think that one's like stone white or something, and this one looks black with a bit of purple on it. So, you know, there's. I think what's interesting though, and uh, before we jumped on this on this recording, I, I was talking to Chris, the editor of Pocket Lint, about all this stuff, and we were like, they didn't. How did they manage to keep all of this secret? Yeah, that you know, is there a, was no, yes. there's no teasers. There was no, there was no leaks. You know, well, we've you think... seen, we've seen a, we, we've seen a couple of things um, go through various certification bodies, but only the last few days. Um, yeah. Normally, normally these things are leaked so much that you know, uh, maybe not, maybe not a service like a like a like the game streaming service like Luna, but certainly, um, certainly some of the devices. I mean, that's and and, and you know something as as strange as the the drone cam. <laughs> Mm. um you know we we'd have heard something really but yes amazon are very seem to be very good at keeping it under wraps so and the final question i suppose is do we think that this is a successful event you know as the the stuff that they've launched do you think it's going to be popular or have they just gone a bit too mad crazy well i think i think certainly in terms of the echo stuff it's a continuation of where they've been at really um and you know it does give by redesigning them it does give new options obviously they want to uh you know a lot of people have got these devices if, if people want these devices they're going to have them but a lot in, in most cases but of course people are you know some of the some of the echo devices are several years old and people might want to replace them or um with with a better sounding speaker or whatever it definitely gives options for that um the echo show 10 is 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 very welcome because the the older large echo show was pretty um uh, you know it was pretty cumbersome really um so that that's a welcome update um the the, the ring o- ecosystem is the really interesting one for me because obviously we've seen you know a lot of the smart action around smart doorbells and and they're really the leader in that i would say um but the the sort of growth of devices they've put out there in terms of what else you can fit into your ring ecosystem is is quite vast and mm. you know not all of it can surely can work but it's it's interesting what they're doing it it feels with the ring that they've suddenly done the same 
game plan that they did a couple of years ago with Echo, where we had that, I think it was the event you went to in Seattle, where they were suddenly like, here's a microwave, here's you know, a clock, here's loads of other random things that we've just found around the house that we could possibly put Alexa in Definitely. And, and, and go from there. And I think they're doing the same with with ring at the moment which is it's it's no longer it used to be just a doorbell and now all of a sudden it's a car dash cam or it's a you know a flying drone around your house or it's you know all these different things uh, so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out it will yes it will definitely because you know yes like you say a couple of years ago with with echo it was you know let's let's do all these devices throw all this stuff at the wall and see what works and quite a lot of it didn't to be honest um and we saw last year they did some smart glasses for example um and you know we haven't heard anything more about them and they've obviously not been developed but yeah interesting interesting times and but the the, the ring stuff i think is is really going to lead the way for them the next year Still to come, Adrian gives us his verdict on the new Oculus Quest 2 VR headset. And it, obviously with more power now, they were also up to the refresh rate on the panel. So in future, that will have more power and it's got more RAM. So it means game developers can improve the quality even more, make the most of the hand tracking capabilities. While the gaming world is currently focused on the next generation of gaming consoles like the Xbox Series X and the PS5, there's one company focusing on gaming of the past. Antstream Arcade is best described as the Netflix for retro gaming, allowing you to play classics from the early days on your computer, console or Android phone. And with nothing to install and only a monthly payment to worry about, access is easy. But how do you keep gamers excited? I recently talked to Steve Cottom, the company's founder and CEO, as to how he came up with the idea in the first place and how the company is ensuring that people are keen to keep coming back to get their nostalgia fix. So Anstream Arcade is somewhere where you can go and find some of really what I would call the most iconic games ever created. So it's, it's ultimately a retro um, subscription streaming service. And in there you'll find the, you know, the classics like Pac-Man and Space Invaders. Um, but what we do is we try and make those games much more relevant to, to all audiences. So you can challenge your friends at Pac-Man, you can enter a Space Invaders tournament uh, or compete on global leaderboards. And so let's go back to the beginning on this. How, where did you come up with the idea? Is it just that you've, you were a massive fan of Space Invaders and you thought, I want to carry on playing this? Yeah, I mean, actually, so it, it's like many of these things. It started out as a hobby project, um, but, you know, we, we saw that there was an opportunity for this. And, and we actually, you know, the idea for this came up about 10 years ago. And at that time, I was starting to use things like Spotify and Netflix um, and I really got thinking, well, you know, I can get all of the music that I want and I can pretty much find most movies that I want, but actually games, because the hardware has changed over time and incompatibilities, it was much harder to do that. And uh, although you can, you know, some people will download these games and play them on emulators, actually it's quite a clunky experience. It's not a legal experience. So it, it kind of reminded me of what was happening with music when you had Napster before Spotify came along. Um, and, you know, we saw an opportunity to kind of legitimize that and make the games, you know, as easy as listening to a piece of music on, um, YouTube, on sorry, on uh, Spotify. And so how do you go about choosing the games? Because there must be some games that were amazing, but just you can't like code across or that were just actually that bad that you never really want to bring them back. <laughs> some, it's true. Some games definitely age better than others. Um, you know, we've identified there's probably around 150,000 retro games, as we would call them out there. Oh. Um, we've licensed so far about 3,000 of those. 
Um, we obviously go after the, you know, the better known games, the Space Invaders, Pac-Mans, etc. But actually what's really interesting is, is some of those old games, even the ones that haven't aged well, um, some of the early ZX Spectrum games and Commodore 64 games, for example, actually when you turn it, build a challenge or a tournament around those, that can be great fun. You know, if, it, if it's just, you know, how many can I, you know, how many baddies can I kill in a minute? Actually, you can get those really simple games and, and, and turn it into a really fun competition. And that's what we try and do. And that, because that seems to be one of the things that, you know, there's been a real resurgence in recent years of classic consoles, you know, retro consoles being bought back as a forty nine ninety nine kind of, you know, under the under the TV Christmas tree present kind of approach. Why, what do you offer differently there? Is it this, this, this sort of leaderboard approach and how does that work? Yeah, I mean, we're a service ultimately. So, so like Netflix, Spotify, Amazon, we're continually adding new content. Um, those, you know, those micro, micro consoles are great, but they're, um, they're, they're almost a novelty in some respects and they, they're very limited with the number of games they have. Whereas what we do is we continually go out try and find more and more games for the service, as I say, and expand and, and, and build the tournaments and the challenges around those, um, really kind of turning it into almost like a retro, I don't want to use the word, but eSports. It's almost like a retro eSports type platform. And what are the kind of popular games on there? I noticed you have Space Invaders, but then it's, you know, what other games do you have? I mean, there's a massive range on there. So, I mean, it, it, there's something for everyone. So we uh, we have things like Atari. Um, so we have some of the you know games like Asteroids. We have SNK titles, games like uh, with uh, Metal Slug, uh, Data East titles, Caveman Ninja. Um, and we got a few. I can't announce them yet, but we have some very very big name retro games coming onto the platform next month, uh, which we can't wait to announce. But we haven't we haven't set the press release out for that yet. I noticed there was Speedball too. It was in there. So that 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 was was that Bitmap Brothers. That was Bitmap Brothers on the. I think we have the Amiga version and the Mega Drive version of that. Um, yeah, fantastic games. So, and we have some of those really kind of early um, eclectic games. So things like Manic Miner, which actually for me was the first game I ever played. So to bring Manic Miner onto the platform, which was really what got me into the gaming industry in the first place, is you know, it's a it's a dream come true for me. And how do you find that when customers, you know, come along, they sign up? It's because sometimes nostalgia is wonderful, and we all like the idea of, oh, you know, I used to remember playing Repton Three on the BBC Micro, <laughs> right? You know, a long time ago, fantastic game. Always wanted to try and play it again. Can never find something that's, you know, similar to it. Or there's, or you think, well, okay, I want to play Lemmings again, or Gods from Bitback Brothers, or you know, Space Harrier, or all those, you know, on the Commodore sixty four, those kind of things. And then you sometimes get access to a game like that, and then you realise that after about four minutes, that really it doesn't stand up to today's games. Yeah, and that, look, that is true for some of them. But again, that's coming back to the bit that we do, where we wrap these challenges around them. So um, as an example, we ran um, an Asteroids tournament. Um, and what we did on that was we disabled the fire button, and we simply said, how long can you survive in Asteroids without touching the fire button? And the players that got to the top of the leaderboard on that played that over a thousand times in a weekend to get the top scores so we create these really kind of hyper casual little micro games around the games which are, which are really just fun and they have very simple mechanics and anybody can pick them up and play them and so what do you see the future of this being is it just really about adding more games or are you looking to try and get onto more platforms so uh, yeah i mean that's very important for us and again coming back to that kind of spotify and netflix analogy we want to be on every device 
Um, and that was one of the reasons we went with streaming technology, actually, rather than download. Um, because a lot of people say, you know, why are you streaming these tiny little games? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And on the surface, you know, I understand why people think that. But actually, when you think about how people interact with their content now, one minute you're on your MacBook, the next you're on your Xbox, then you're on your mobile phone, then you're on your smart TV. And streaming makes it much easier to do that. And obviously, all your game saves and everything can uh, stay in the cloud. And the other thing that we wanted to do, and the other reason we use streaming, was as you move forward, I mean, retro is continually moving. We tend to think of it at the moment as games from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But that's going to roll forward into games from the 2000s. And the games will get more complex. And it gets to a point where it doesn't make sense to be downloading thousands of games onto your phone, particularly as the games get bigger. So by using streaming, we were able to create a unified experience regardless of the game you're playing. Now, I notice you're not on iOS, but you are on Mac. Is there a reason for that? Uh, God bless Apple. Um, <laughs> the, we, um, we've, we suffer the same problem that everybody else does. Apple has a very um, wall-gardened um, approach to these kinds of things. I think we, you know, we all hope that will change. We actually have built the app for iOS. It works. In fact, it plays incredibly well on iOS, um, but we're really just subject to the Apple Store approvals. We think we'll get there. Uh, we think we're going to take it's going to take some time, but I think Apple really just need to get comfortable with the new world and, and the new streaming services that are coming up. So we've moved into more a of a subscription-based sort of model for pretty much everything. Xbox recently announced that they've you can even rent, you know, subscribe to the console itself in addition to the all the games that they allow you to access. You know, as you, we talked about, we've got Spotify. There's Apple TV, there's, you know, Netflix, all these things. Do you think that people are happy to sign up to yet another subscription service? I do. Um, and I think, it, but I think it's, there's obviously only so many that they're going to subscribe to. Um, and I think if you look at what's happening, actually, and, and Microsoft, what Microsoft are doing and what actually Sony have done, and obviously Google now with Stadia, it's very easy to see the way things are going. And I think that makes a lot of sense, especially for actually if you're talking about those modern AAA games, well, actually, to play those on a PC, you've got to invest a couple of thousand pounds into your PC to do that. Well, if you can subscribe for 25 99 a month to, to play those games through Google Stadia or Microsoft or Sony, you know, that's a much smaller barrier to entry for most people. Um, and, you know, Anstream is really just building on top of that. Um, for anybody who wants to access the retro content, that's what we're here for. What I think needs to happen or, or what we the way i think it will transpire is services like Antstream, spotify netflix will be very successful in that what i don't think will work is if individual publishers try and do it themselves because if you can imagine spotify you, the experience would not be the same if i had to go to universal and sony and every other music production publisher to get the music from from that particular provider so i think it's really important that the content can get aggregated so that the users can get it in one place and you've obviously gone down the route of, of streaming, but do you believe that there will be a time when we'd never have to download a game in the future? Yeah, I do. And I, and I think particularly, again, if you look at what Microsoft are doing, I think what they're doing with this next generation of console and actually the way you can subscribe to the hardware, it's really just getting the, you know, the users or the gamers used to the idea of, of a kind of monthly subscription to access the content. I'd be really surprised if there's another um, Xbox console beyond this one, if, if you know, Microsoft can deliver the xCloud and get it into enough homes and the infrastructure is there to support it, um, you know, why would you need another console? And do you see yourself either one day appearing on the Xbox 
or even making your own console or even an arcade machine that sits in the corner of a room. <laughs> Funny enough, we've talked about all of those things. And, and uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I think actually we were talking the other day about, you know, whether we could, um, you know, put Anstream into pubs, you know, for example, like you used to find the old arcade machines in pubs. So we'd love to do things like that. Um, and Xbox, actually, I'm, you know, I'm pleased to say we are, we do have Microsoft approval, so we will be coming to Xbox fairly soon. The Oculus Quest 2 is an interesting update to the tether-free wireless virtual reality headset from Oculus. The original was one of our favorite VR headsets, as it was a fantastic leap forward from the smartphone VR headsets and a great middle ground between those much more expensive headsets that require you to plug in a PC. But with the original Quest still being so great, what more can Quest 2 offer? Pocalint's Adrian Willings joins me to tell us how he's been getting on with the new device. So Adrian, is it any good? Yeah, it's a very interesting update to the previous device, not least of which because it's £100 or $100 cheaper than the original, but has some pretty decent improvements in terms of specifications. So they've improved the pixel count on the display, for example, which obviously means you get better graphics and better tracking. They're also making a big push on features that used to be in beta on the original one, so hand tracking and the ability to connect it to your PC to be able to use PC VR games there. And they've made it lighter weight and the controllers last longer, etc. So it's very comfortable to use now. I found simple things, little changes to it, which made a big difference and make it really interesting in that, like simple things like blocking out background light. So letting in less real world light into the headset so you can immerse yourself more in the games. It's also more comfortable to wear. That's cool. So, I mean, that's because that seems to be in the problem for quite some time, is it? That normally when these things first came out, and I know the industry has been around for a while now, but they were all had to be tethered. They were quite heavy, so you couldn't really wear them for that long before they kind of, you know, start weighing your head down. Do they seem to have, does Oculus seem to have solved a lot of those problems now with the Quest 2? That's the biggest selling point about the Quest 2 and the original Quest, actually, is the power under the hood means that it can play the same sort of level of VR games that you'd expect to see on a PC. And there are a number of different games that you can play on the Quest 2 that are on PC as well, and you can't tell the difference between the two. Wow. Several different ones, uh, Arizona Sunshine, Super Hot VR, and a few others that don't spring to mind right now, but there's quite a few different ones that you can play. And when you play them on Quest 2, you don't notice the difference. And that's really surprising considering it's a portable device that doesn't need to be tethered to a PC in order to run. And that was a thing I was struck by with the original Quest. And it, obviously with more power now, they were also up to the refresh rate on the panel. So in future, that will have more power and it's got more RAM. So it means game developers can improve the quality even more, make the most of the hand tracking capabilities and basically deliver a much better experience in future. And Oculus is basically making a push to make this their flagship headset in the future as well and focusing on improving it constantly with software updates. So it should get even better beyond what it is at the moment. But yeah, that um, the other selling point for me is the wireless freedom not being tethered to a PC means that you don't have cables constantly nagging at the back of your head so you can move around a lot more freely i'm going to ask you a question and you don't have to answer us if you don't want to but the fact that it's not tethered has that meant that you've walked into walls <laughs> no no because there's a virtual system where you can basically paint out 
your play space in virtual reality. And then you have these guardian borders that are basically virtual walls that appear when you get near the edge of the play space. Right. So you have red borders that alert you if you're getting a bit too close. So you can map it out so that you're not going to accidentally walk into a wall or trip over the sofa or punch a window. I have visions of you just going, <laughs> just smacking into a wall at high speed as you're running away from some zombies. Okay, so you've, you've seemed like you've enjoyed it and you're enjoying it. Is there anything you think they could have done better? Um, Complaints-wise, the main th- there's a few things that people might not like. For example, the IPD slider, which is basically the distance between your pupils. The way they've worked that now, you only have three settings to choose from. There's three levels, which off the top of my head, I can't remember what the distance is. Something like 53, 58, and 63 millimeters. So you have to choose between one of those three. And if you don't select the right, if you have, if your distance is wider or smaller than that, or very specific, some users might find problems with it. I didn't right. personally, and Oculus thinks that they've set it up so that uh, most users, I think they said 90% of users will find one of those three as a sweet spot for them but it's not as perfect as it used to be in terms of you can't do granular adjustment. The other big complaint people are probably going to have is that you need a Facebook account in order to use an Oculus Quest. Ah, Okay. Um, Although Oculus said they're fully expecting people to sign up to Facebook just to log into their Oculus Quest 2 and then never use Facebook again, whether they've already got, you know, if they haven't got an account already. And obviously there are privacy settings as well to make sure that your data isn't shared in the real world. So if you play multiplayer games with strangers, they won't see your real world name within the game, so you can change that. But then Oculus and Facebook, obviously, are going to use your data on what you're playing to then serve you ads on Facebook for future games and other things. And whatever else they're doing with the data, I don't really know. And obviously, there's a lot of paranoia around sharing data with Facebook as well at the moment. We all know how great Facebook is at keeping your data private and secure for the last couple of years. That might be a big gripe for some people, but personally, I don't think I don't think it's an issue, and it make it maybe streamlines the process. But you do need to make sure you've got a Facebook account because in future they're going to make it impossible to not use it. And is that? Do you think that's? It's kind of the final question, really. Do you think that is a, a sort of indication of where Facebook, who owns Oculus, you know, is going with this? It's not necessarily just for paying playing games where you're driving fast cars or killing zombies or. or in a kitchen chopping up food or whatever you do these days in VR. But it's just, do you think it's, they see it as a lot more than that. So it's the idea of the social interaction, this kind of, you know, doing other things. Yeah. That's their push actually is towards social things. So they want people to be able to, especially in 2020, we're all stuck at home and can't see each other very easily. They want to make more of the social element of it. So you can easily meet up with your friends in virtual reality, sit down and watch a film, play games together do other things and communicate more easily and uh, i think you know this push towards that sort of thing will make it more appealing to the masses perhaps and the fact the price point is you know it's 299 mm. the starting price which is very cheap for a headset that can manage such high quality games and have such a good experience with such power under the hood as well it's uh, it should be appealing to a lot more people and the original quest certainly was anyway so so i suppose the the the, the end result though is if you know, when this goes back, I know you're still reviewing it at the moment, are you going to be upset? Yeah, I'd certainly be uh, sad to see the back of it. And um, family members too. My wife's used it a bit and she thinks it's great as well. And she's not really into gaming, so I think that's a 
good sign. Me as a geek, I really like it and I'd miss it and she'd miss it too. So, Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.